0: You are listening to the Permission to Burn Your Manual podcast. I am your host, Kathy Whaley, MD, physician and life coach. Do you want to live the life you choose? A life that is by design rather than by default? Well, that path to the life you choose is uniquely yours, and it's filled with limitless potential. So join me in Burn Your Manual, this book that defines our expectations of self but also holds us back. Together, we will forge, innovate, and refine as we go along. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to Permission to Burn Your Manual. This is Kathy Whaley, MD, and I am your host. As you can tell, I'm still a bit snotty and coffee, so I'm going to sound a little bit different. I want to first think my friend Jillian for the podcast takeover last week, as I truly could not record a podcast at that time. She came to my rescue in my time of need. It was a last minute ask and she didn't hesitate to do it. I kid you not. In about an hour, I had a podcast at my fingertips and that is a friend Today's episode is about loneliness, and I do want to dedicate this to my friends Jillian and Shauna. I think it will make more sense at the end as to why it's being dedicated to them. Not going to point it out. They'll know it when they hear it. So loneliness. The New Oxford Dictionary would describe this as sadness because one has no friends or company. That definition really doesn't work for me, and here's why. My personal flavor of loneliness has zero to do with friends or company, or lack thereof. The problem that I have and that I see many healthcare professionals have, and really just so many people in general, is the experience of being surrounded by people, friends, coworkers, patients, and yet we still feel alone. So why do we want to solve for this? Well, loneliness leads to mental isolation, and vice versa, it's sort of a chicken or an egg debate. But isolation is a huge risk factor for suicide which we know healthcare professionals to be high-risk. They are a high-risk population. And in particular, female healthcare professionals. So it feels important to solve this. Loneliness that persists even when you're surrounded by well-meaning people and support, that can be dangerous. And fortunately, I have never... Um, suffered from suicidal ideations. However, I know so many people who have. And the bone-weary loneliness that comes, the isolation, is something we can solve for. So I'm going to sort of tell you my story in case this concept of what I'm describing doesn't quite make sense. I think through a personal story it will help. So y'all have heard numerous times about how I was really burned out and I planned to burn my life down, right? I didn't want to be a doctor anymore, but I told myself I should still be a doctor. I cried every day and dreaded going to work. And I felt utterly and thoroughly alone. Yet I was surrounded by coworkers And we talked about how dysfunctional the medical system was and how much it needed to change, and we bitched and moaned. But I didn't share how my soul felt sucked dry by my hospital and job. How I kept saying to myself, there must be something more to life than this. And I frequently was in compare and despair, but here's the difference. I think most people refer to compare and despair as you're comparing yourself to someone else's success. So you're despairing that you haven't reached that yet. This was quite the opposite for me. My compare and despair was me recognizing that I had a privileged life and comparing myself to those that didn't have and essentially beating myself up for hating my life, right? So the end result was that I self silenced myself. Because the internal judgment about being so unhappy with such a privileged life was extreme. As a result, I didn't receive the type of support I needed about the things that truly ailed me, right? The downstream effect of a dysfunctional health system and how it impacted me personally and at home. And so I was alone and isolated in a room filled with people. I found that harder than being alone in a room with no people. Because when you're in a room completely alone, there is a natural expectation that you might experience loneliness. But when you are surrounded by people, the idea that you might still be lonely It almost defies a law of nature. So what was the root cause of this loneliness in a room full of people? There are a few. Probably the most powerful one is really an issue of belonging versus fitting in. So let's talk about that. When we're trying to fit in, we edit the version of the person that other people see. We are presenting the parts of ourselves that fit the best with the group of people we are trying to forge connection with. But I'm going to ask you, can you truly be connected when you are holding parts of yourself back? When you're editing out the bits that you think don't fit? How do you have connection when there are pieces of you missing? I would argue that you don't. You don't have the deep kind of connection that we crave and need. So let's contrast fitting in with belonging. And in belonging, You are not editing one single bit of yourself. You are just finding the people where your authentic self fits in naturally. Belonging is about finding those that embrace your true authentic self. And here is where I'm going to talk about my growing up because the sense of belonging did not exist for me growing up. So my parents split up when I was five and shortly thereafter, my father came out as a gay man. He was a prominent pediatrician in town who was also then shortly thereafter forced out of his private practice. So when I was told by my parents that he was gay. There was no shame from them. And my parents co-parented like champs. I mean, it never felt like we had separate families. We holidayed together. We birthdayed together. Whatever new significant others came along were included. My parents did divorce spectacularly. But I lived in the South. I lived in the deep South where some of my dad's family shunned him when he came out. And where being gay was not acceptable. Really not acceptable. So my parents warned me your dad is gay, and there's nothing wrong with that, but other people won't see it that way. So don't tell people at school. And that was a really important part of me to hide away. Now they weren't wrong. Right? Sometimes we make the choice to edit and fit in because it's a matter of survival. And I'm going to tell you, despite me not talking about it at school, there were plenty of former patients or patients of my dad's former partners who were very homophobic and loved to talk about it at school and share that part of my family history. So growing up, school for me was a place that was very unsafe emotionally. I would go to school, and there would be a random time where my dad was the topic of conversation in the lunchroom. Yes, that really happened. And numerous examples like that happened. So what I learned from that was that I took care of me. And I couldn't depend on others to be my support. Now don't mistake I I had a few select good friends who did know and they knew my dad and their families knew my dad and they were very supportive. But that was the exception, that was not the rule. And what's more, When I would think I had found a new friend, and I really had found a new friend, oftentimes it sort of fell apart. I had one friend that all of a sudden her parents wouldn't let her come to my house anymore, come to find out that they found out that my dad was gay and were concerned that he might molest her. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, my dad's not a child molester, but if he were, that's the wrong gender for him. Regardless, that was a friendship that was important to me that just went because I realized that maybe she was too young to mimic their opinions, but it would come. And it did come later. So I learned early on that fitting in is what you did in the South. It was the only option because my people weren't here or my people were few and far between. And that is very interesting because anyone who knows me would tell you I'm probably an overshare. I'm an open book. But that was not my conditioning growing up. And so again, during times of extreme stress, I can revert to that old conditioning. I can revert to hiding pieces of myself. So I use that example to say, when I found myself in this career I had worked really hard for, that was a privileged life, and I was sitting here interviewing all of these hospitalists to join the practice I supervised, I was sitting there... Feeling like such a hypocrite because I wasn't sitting there saying, yeah, I want to hire you, but I'm thinking about burning down my life and I may not be here. And I was hiding it because I judged me and I was sure that other people would judge me just like they did my dad. Little did I know at the time, we're everywhere. I am a representation of the medical community. And what I was experiencing is pervasive. So listen, I still struggle with a sense of belonging every day. It has gotten some better in the sense that I finally joined Facebook (laughs) when the pandemic hit. And have discovered my people or more of my people, because again, I do have a few people here in Arkansas, but in Facebook and joining these coaching communities, I found more of my people and there I was able to be my authentic self. And it's not that I couldn't be my authentic self anytime I choose. It was my choice not to be. But in finding the people where your authentic self fits, you have belonging. And that is what I found in this journey of coachdom. But I still struggle with it because I spent so much time, so much of my lifetime so far, Telling myself that I couldn't belong, and the best I could do was try to fit in. That is decades of conditioning that I work to undo every day. This brings me to the second reason that we often fall into the pit of fitting in and become isolated. And this is the expectation that one person is your everything or that each person should be your everything. So here's what I mean. I am married to a non-medical person. He is a classically trained musician. If I have a bad day at work and I come home and want to talk about it, he'll know that I'm distressed, but the vast majority of the details are going to go over his head If my sense of belonging is that he must be the person that can join me in that journey and really get it, I mean, that's going to be a fail because he's not medical. And so this is in recognizing every single friend, your spouse, the odds are they aren't going to be able to be your everything. There are going to be parts of you that maybe you don't share all the details, right? Like I don't share all the medical details with him. I don't hide my distress about medical things. But the point is is that I don't expect the degree of support from him about medical things that I can get from my dad or from my sister. I can still belong by letting him see those parts of me. But he doesn't have to be the person that delivers the ultimate support. And I don't mean to imply that there isn't support there, right? Because when I'm distressed, he's going to offer me support but the opportunity to work through something with more details, I'm going to take that somewhere else. And it doesn't mean that I'm hiding parts of myself. He still sees I'm distressed. I'm distressed about work. I don't want to be a doctor anymore or whatever it is. But then I take that and I take it to someone that has that shared experience when i need it so how do we cultivate belonging because i would suggest that when we belong rather than fit in we find the antidote for the loneliness in a room full of people if we are to belong this requires authenticity, being your true authentic self. Because if we're not our authentic self, other people don't really know us. They're not really seeing us. And if we're going to be authentically ourselves, we're going to need some key components. First, we're going to need unconditional self-love. So if you recall in an earlier podcast episode, we talked about lovability and self-love and unconditional love being love free of conditions. This is you increasing your capacity to love yourself no matter what. Because if you really think about it, who's the person that truly could love you unconditionally? It's you, because you have control over yourself. We say parents should love their children unconditionally, but we all know that that's not actually true. So if we're looking at the models and saying, where is the place that you can exert your influence, the only person that you can influence is yourself. And so you are the heart of unconditional love for you. When we have this unconditional self-love, it's easier to find the courage to show people who we truly are, to step into it wholeheartedly. And for many of us, it's going to take practice to overcome conditioning and truly be who we authentically are. Along the way, we're going to have to address feelings of unworthiness, perfectionism, and cultivate self-compassion. So long as we don't like who we are, We're not going to show ourselves to other people. So, cultivating unconditional love and self compassion and worthiness, this is not saying, I don't want to grow or change, okay? What this is saying is, whoever I am in this now, in this moment, whatever I'm doing, whatever I've achieved or not achieved, I did my best, my best is always good enough. I deserve love and I'm gonna be the first in line to give it to myself because I'm worthy of love, not just from other people but from myself too. What is going to get in the way of you belonging and relieving yourself of your loneliness. Frankly, just you, right? We are our own barrier to living in our authenticity. And you know what? That's not something to beat yourself up about either. That's human being human. All I'm trying to do is bring awareness to it, that we are often our best saboteur. So you have likely noticed that I released this podcast on a special day. Instead of it being Monday, I'm releasing it on Saturday. Here's the why. Today is National Physician Suicide Awareness Day. And I absolutely want to bring awareness to physician suicide, but I think we all understand suicide affects everybody. So this entire podcast applies to anyone. And please feel free to share with anyone. Here's the point. So many people are dying. And suicide is typically an impulsive choice. There will, for physicians especially, you can be suffering inside and still showing up to work. And I have no doubt this is also true for nurses and other healthcare professionals. You are not okay, but you still show up and get the job done because that's what we do. And if you can't tell... I was doing air quotes. And I'm a firm believer that when we pursue our own authenticity and we cultivate belonging, we are less isolated and less lonely and less likely to kill ourselves. So, I do not have a step by step guide for you this time, but I do have some remaining questions for you. And my only goal for this episode is to create awareness. I hope that you will take the time to answer these questions and find your tribe. And if you need a tribe, I will be your tribe. Are you letting people truly see you? Or are you hiding parts of yourself? If you're hiding parts of yourself, are you hiding them because you also judge those parts of yourself? Do you want to find the people who you belong with. Even if it means that you show your authentic self to a few people and it's not a good fit. Because speaking from experience, not belonging is a lot more painful than someone just not liking you. And You're not going to be for everyone. I'm not for everyone. There are some people who don't want to listen to this podcast because I cuss. Okay. Belonging can be any way you want it to be. In fact, part of the reason that I created the restorative wellness coaching platform was to basically create a place of belonging for healthcare professionals that serve not only them, but me. Find my people, help my people, and make it accessible to anyone in healthcare. And that's not restricted by social determinants of health. So listen, I have a favor to ask. I know I usually say to you, if this podcast resonated with you, please share it with a friend. We're going to game the algorithm, yada, yada, yada. What I'm going to ask for you now is please share with someone who needs it. But I don't care if I get tagged. You don't have to rate the podcast episode or leave a review. This is dedicated to those that felt ending their life was the only way out. Because while I haven't been there, I really get it. And when someone does in their life, sometimes I'm just happy for them because they must have desperately needed that relief. But the goal is to not get there and to intervene early by creating connection and finding belonging. So on this day, this National Physician Suicide Awareness Day, please help me share this in the hopes that it catches someone early and helps them journey to find belonging and find their tribe. Until next time, my tribe, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Are you ready to start making progress forging the path to the life you choose? Well, visit me at freedomforphysicians.com. Here you will find free resources and guides for any healthcare professional ready to get started. As always, I'd love to hear from you, so don't hesitate to reach out.